Hey, good morning, everybody. If you're uh, visiting with us, this, this is your uh, first time or one of your first times visiting Hope online, welcome. I'm Jeff Bills. I'm lead pastor here at Hope Church. And, and I'm Rick Court. Uh, <laughs> I'm one of the pastors as well here at Hope Church. And good morning, Jeff. Good to see you this morning. Good to see you, Rick. Good to be here in our spacious uh, worship uh, area. Plenty of room here. <laughs> it's good to see you. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, so uh, excited about a new series that we're starting. And, uh, but I do have to give an update that the courthouse family has finished the Marvel uh, series. We did, we did complete, uh, I think it's 28 movies. Uh, you give us 30 days and we can get a lot done in those 30 days. So we did, we did finish the series, Jeff. I know wow. you were concerned about that, I've whether been... we would we would do that. And so we moved on to Harry Potter in case anybody's wondering. Uh, but, I don't think uh, anybody was, but okay. <laughs> but you never know. Uh, uh, so so and anyway, uh, the reason I mentioned that is that we're going to talk about courage uh, over the next few weeks and that uh, the heroes of today, and especially in, uh, in, in Hollywood, are, are known as those who are... Um, uh, you know, they're, they're, they go in and save the day, and, and they, they demonstrate physical strength. They wear spandex often if they're superheroes. Uh, but uh, the heroes that we kind of recognize or want to recognize in, in our current world are our first responders and our medical staff. Right. I mean, they're really rushing to the front line in these, uh, in these moments. But there are some others. Uh, interesting, a word like essential is uh, used now, and it's, it's got a different meaning. It's almost like essential is equated with courageous. Could we think about those who we identify? as essential workers, right? Like grocery store workers and our supply chain truck drivers. I saw a, a news uh, piece on those, on, on those people. Uh, Amazon delivery person is at my door every day, so uh, he's essential. Uh, the people pumping our gas, right? It just, they, they, every day uh, they're serving in community, uh, in our communities, even at personal risk. And so, uh, so we're looking at the series called Courage. We want to look at it differently, looking not just about physical strength, but looking at how courage can be applied in our everyday lives. And so this morning, we're going to look at a story that is found in the four Gospels. Uh, it's likely occurred right before Jesus's crucifixion. And the story was already read to us this morning. And Jeff and I want to retell that story as we uh, unpack it a little bit. So uh, that story, that that. Uh account of Jesus' life and ministry, um, there's, there's three major people in this story. Jesus, of course, being one. Then we have this uh, unnamed woman who is the other. And then we have a Pharisee, um, and his name is Simon. And so there's things that we learn th about these three through the story, some um, just through the story itself and some through implication. So Simon is a Pharisee. So we know some things about Simon as a Pharisee. Uh, one, we know because he's a Pharisee, we know he's a highly educated person. Those uh, Pharisees were highly trained, highly educated uh, men uh, of their day. And so they were among the intellectuals. We also can infer that he was a man of some affluence. He had a house. He had a house big enough where he could host this large Party. gathering uh, of people. And, uh, and he was able to feed them. So, you know, those three things combined, we know that he was a man of affluence. And probably some influence. Mm -hmm. The fact that all of these people would come to his house, right. come to his party, including Jesus, would indicate that he was a man of influence. He was also a man that was interested in righteousness. The Pharisees, their primary focus was obedience to the law. 
And we're not just talking 10 commandments, we're talking over 600 laws that guided every aspect of life at that time. And so these Pharisees not only knew the law, their commitment was to live a life of obedience to the law as an act of worship to God, which is a good thing. But it often led these Pharisees into a self-righteousness. You know, that they became convinced that because they were uh, living this certain life, mm-hmm. that they were, they were righteous before God, and it filled them, uh, many of them, with a sense of pride um, and this overflowing ego. And you see in Simon, in this story, that he had this self-righteousness that gave him the authority to judge. So he judges this woman. He sees her as a terrible sinner. And uh, so he, he's judging her. And he judges Jesus because Jesus allows this terrible sinner to touch him, which no righteous Pharisee would ever allow to happen. And so Jesus, in, in uh, Simon's mind, is either a false prophet or just a dumb guy. You know? yeah. yeah, and so as this party is going on, there's a woman in the story that, was already, that we already was, was, uh, read about, that she arrives at this party. Now, her attendance at the party isn't what's so controversial. As a matter of fact, it's, it's likely that there were, there were many people who were there watching this dinner party. There were the invited guests who were having dinner, and then there would be a crowd of others who would be gathered there as well. Now, that seems kind of odd in the 21st century, but we got to remember in the first century, there's no Netflix. And so this is literally their entertainment. They would go to watch and see these people gathered together and listen to the conversation that's taking place during this, during this dinner. There's even one scholar who suggests that it's possible that at the end of the meal, the leftovers would be able to be gathered by those who came to watch the party. So it literally was a dinner and a movie, uh, in a sense, in the way we would see in the 21st century. So this woman's presence wasn't the problem. What happens, though, is that she injects herself into the story and she physically touches a guest at the dinner. And the woman knows she doesn't belong here. Uh, She knows that she doesn't deserve to be in the presence of Jesus, but she takes this great risk. I mean, she's willing to risk potential ridicule, which we'll see happens uh, to her. She's uh, ready to to risk possible rejection because uh, because of her presence and because of, or not, excuse me, not her presence, because of her engaging into the story. But she knew that she needed what Jesus had to offer. And for her, that was the most important thing at this moment in time. But I would suggest that her most courageous moment wasn't anointing Jesus's feet. It wasn't crying at his feet. It wasn't using her hair to wipe uh, his and clean his feet. That wasn't her most courageous moment. I would suggest it was her willingness to reflect on her own life, Mm. that she was willing to say, hey, you know what? Things are not perfect for me. Uh, I need what Jesus has to offer. Now, we don't know where she found Jesus, whether she had heard him teaching in town, whether she had witnessed him doing some other miracles, but we know that she knew that she needed what Jesus had to offer. And I would suggest that was her most courageous moment. She was honest with herself because real courage, Jeff, right? We would agree is humility. Uh, It's this willingness to look at ourselves in the mirror and to be honest because really perfect people uh, uh, don't need to get better, right? There you go. But she sees that there's this, this deep need in her life and she's honest with herself and she finds out that there's a way for me to address this and she takes opportunity to meet Jesus. 
Tremendous courage. Yeah. So then the third person, of course, in the story is Jesus himself. Mm. And um, here's the thing. Anytime that you encounter Jesus in the Gospels, whether he's doing something or teaching something, we're getting a glimpse into the kingdom of God. And the way I describe the kingdom of God is the kingdom of God is anywhere where God's will and God's way prevails. And so that's Jesus himself, Jesus as God incarnate, um, bringing God's will, God's way into everything mm -hmm. that he does. And so as Jesus is in this moment, he's looking at this woman. And unlike Simon, who sees mm -hmm. this terrible sinner, Jesus sees a creation of the Father. He sees this woman with this courage to be humble, to, to take this risk. Because she didn't know, when she entered into this party and, and uh, fell at Jesus' feet, she didn't know, to your point, Rick, if she would be ridiculed or rejected by Jesus, much less the other people in the room. So that he sees this woman with this act of courage who is looking to Jesus to find the things that she needs most in her life right now. We don't know all of her story um, other than she is a woman who is struggling in her life and uh, Jesus sees not just this broken woman, he sees yeah. her heart. He knows what's motivating her and he has compassion on her. Mm. And he knows Simon's heart. And Simon, who is now judging this woman and judging Jesus, um, Jesus looks into his heart, and what Simon gets is a story. Yeah. The woman gets uh, forgiveness, and she gets uh, peace. Jesus gives her peace. Simon gets a story. story. And the story is, uh, to put it in contemporary terms, Jesus says, um, suppose you loan two people money. One guy you give $500, another guy you give $50. Neither of them can pay you back, and so you forgive the debt of both. Which one, Simon, do you think would be the one that would be the most receptive or the, the show the most gratitude? And Simon says, I, I guess the guy with, that owed the most, 500. And Jesus said, yes, that's right. Then turns back to this woman and blesses her, forgives her sin, and, uh, and offers his peace. What Simon probably missed in that story is the other guy still had a debt to owe. Mm. It wasn't maybe the same debt, the same amount of debt, but this guy still owed uh, a debt and uh, completely missed that. Simon missed this opportunity uh, to act courageously, to act in a, in a humble way, mm and to admit his own need, his own uh, need for God in that moment. And uh, so he got a story, but that was about it for yeah, Jesus. That, that was it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so we're in this unusual season uh, right now in, uh, in our lives. It's, um, our schedules are different, right? Minus. Our work schedule, our, our home schedule, our school schedule, and life is different. It's not, uh, it's not what we planned. And uh, yet we're, uh, you know, we're seven weeks in uh, to, uh, to even doing this, and uh, life is different, right? Uh, there's, there's been talk about opening up soon, right? It, and there are people who are saying it's too early to open up, and others that are saying let's get, let's get the economy moving. And right. so there's a lot of questions out there about what the future looks like, what is normal going to look like, uh, uh, even questions like uh, <laughs> what's our summer going to look like? Oh, man. And... Um, we're still a long way off, but yeah, 
Yeah, but and so it, this is a time that requires courage, um, mm. both in terms of facing the realities of this, uh, this pandemic and all that's involved in it. But there's another level, I think, of courage here that is reflected in this story. Mm -hmm. To take this time, to take this opportunity where you're in a very different place and a very different schedule than you ever have been in your life, perhaps, and to use it as an opportunity to come before Christ, um, to seek out um, some redemptive moment in this, uh, a, an opportunity to grow. One of the ways that this woman, I think, reflected on her life was um, what in the uh, 12 steps uh, would talk about as doing a fearless moral inventory, a searching, fearless moral inventory, looking at your life and saying, what are those things that keep me distant from God? What are those things in my life that may be damaging my relationship? Um, and to take some time to reflect on what are those things and, and to offer those back to God and ask God to uh, bring forgiveness and healing and a new direction. Yeah, I know when we were planning this message, one of the things you and I talked about was that, that as our schedules have changed, yeah. that, um, uh, you know, the reason our schedules have changed is that in the past, we fill up every moment, right? We, we uh, you know, we have lots of uh, soccer practices and uh, uh, activities and, and all those things. We just fill up all of this time. Yeah. And now that that's been pulled back, we have this time available. And what are we going to do with it? And what are we going to do when we're back to regular time? Right. Are we just going to fill it again? Uh, or are we going to fill it with other things other, other than the things we used to fill it with? So, so you know, so I've th thought more about uh, what are the, how can I increase uh, spiritual disciplines in my life? Mm -hmm. So there are times that I spend in prayer and Bible study and journaling. And can I, can I increase that? Or maybe if you haven't done that before, this is a great way to, to begin uh, a spiritual discipline and say, I'm going to carve out some time that I'm going to use. And I'm going to use this time and I'm going to keep this in my schedule moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, right? So it's, it's we get to reinvent our schedules, yeah. and uh, that's both exciting, but, but we have to be humble enough um, and courageous enough to yeah. say, maybe the ways that I was using my time before, um, I could have done uh, better things with that. One of the things that um, we're working on, um, you know, around our spiritual gifts, Marilyn and I, um, I part of, one of my spiritual gifts is leadership, one of her spiritual gifts is teaching, and uh, so I've been wanting to put this uh, leadership curriculum together. And so we're working together, uh, spending some time developing this curriculum uh, on leadership together, redeeming the time, yeah. right? Making mm -hmm. use of the time. So on the other side of this, whatever the other side right. looks like, um, we'll be uh, in a stronger position uh, overall. And so we can do that with our personal lives. We can do that with our family schedules. Yep. But, and but also we can look at corporately as well. So even, even uh, uh, here at Hope Church. So one yes. of the things that we recognized uh, seven weeks ago was that we needed to put together an online campus. And so we were hair on fire for seven days. Or actually, I think it was 48 hours. It was 48 hours. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So it seemed like seven days. Yeah, but it was it 48 hours that we uh, were hair on fire getting everything up and running so that we could have an online campus. Well, now seven weeks later, uh, we, you know, we feel we're we're getting better and better at it, with still a lot of a lot of room for growth. I noticed someone in the chat box as soon as we came on said, "Hey, once we're back to meeting, are we still going to have an online campus?" And I responded, "Absolutely, yes." 
because we're seeing the impact that this is having, not only in this community, but around the world, literally around the world. On Easter, we had 17 states represented and four countries. Uh, And that was our first Easter using an online campus. So imagine what we can do when we're even better at it. So that's like a way that looking at, here's what we're, so we're asking hard questions, is how can we take what we're doing now and, and include that in our future gatherings when that, uh, when, when we're past this moment in time. So change is risky, and yeah. uh, it does take courage because uh, you don't know uh, how it's going to go. When that woman went to Jesus, mm-hmm. like I said, she didn't know. Was she going to be rejected and ridiculed? It was a risk. Yeah, it, was, it took yes. great courage for her to do that, and what she discovered was forgiveness and peace. So um, a couple of weeks ago, Marilyn and I tuned into a show that was on, um, it was called One World Together at Home, I think. Mm -hmm. So it was this group of musicians, I'm sure many of you saw it as well. And, um, you know, when you're you're preparing a a message, a sermon, you work on it, but it also works on you. And so God just oftentimes will bring something uh, to you as you're working on a message. This was one of those moments. Listening to that that, uh, show, a singer came on. I didn't know her. Her name is Casey Musgraves, and uh, she wrote a song called Rainbow. And the idea and the story of the lyrics of this song is about someone who's been in this terrible storm But the storm has passed, and this person is still walking around with their umbrella up Mm. and missing the fact that above the umbrella, there is a rainbow. And, um, you know, it's this idea of when we go through hard times, we build protection around ourselves, uh, and uh, it's a natural kind of thing. But sometimes that protection keeps us from experiencing something even more significant. In scripture, the rainbow is a symbol for God's grace and God's promise. And uh, so I love that imagery. And uh, that's what this woman did in this story, the, the woman who washed the feet of Jesus. She put down her protection. She took, took down her umbrella, so to speak, taking this great risk and then experiencing God's promise, and God's grace. So as you listen to this song, uh, we asked one of our uh, members of our worship team uh, if she would record this song uh, at home. And uh, so Emily Walters uh, did this song for us. Thank you, Emily. And uh, did a beautiful job. You're going to see it in just a moment. And as you're watching her sing this song, Take a moment to reflect. What are the things, what are the protections that you have around you that may be keeping you from experiencing God's promise and God's grace? And how can you put that down? How can you put that umbrella down to experience that rainbow? Let's give a listen. <laughs> 